0: Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, how's it going? Um, Just kind of... Getting through another day, and was at the full scale website, and I saw a pretty interesting article that I think is kind of topical right now. I'm trying to figure out how to manage all these new people I have. Yeah, I know it's. Uh, we got some pretty big teams over in the Philippines right now, and you know, with that, I think that. Uh, well, I, I've done this for a little bit, and you know, I think you're kind of good at the software thing too. So, I think we'd probably share a couple tips. You know, whether. Um, our listeners are utilizing the services that full-scale offers, or they are dealing with their own offshore teams. You know, the, I think the one thing that is really apparent right now is there is a shortage of web developers. And with that, you've got to find some different solutions. And, you know, the offshore employee, and I'm not a huge fan of that word, but, um, you know, the non-domestic employee, it's a
0: globalized world now but, There's talented people everywhere. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, code's code. I mean, we've had, between the two of us, we've had developers in Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Poland, South America. China, India. India, uh, Kansas. Kansas. Missouri. Ohio,
1: Indiana, (laughs) California. Oh, man. All over the place, Yeah, I think there's even
0: more. It's almost as many countries as the show has been listened to. I mean, I always like to remind people, Stackify's blog is for IT, Developers, software developers, right? We get people from every single country every single week on our blog. Yeah, I get. There it. are software developers everywhere. i Once again,
1: I'll reiterate. I didn't realize there was 120 countries until I saw that this show Who are you people, by the way? Is, we <laughs> want to hear from you. Like, who, who is our our listener in Zimbabwe?
0: Join us on the
1: Facebook Start a Puzzle chat. I really do. If you are the listener from Zimbabwe, I. Want to give you something for free? I'm not even sure yet. So,
0: we have a unique situation here. So, you and I have been dealing with working with offshore remote teams for a long time, but we also employ a remote team. So, we see both sides of it, right? We want our employees in the Philippines to be successful, to be successful for our clients. We want it to work and, and our own companies. Right. And we want it to be successful for our own companies. So, we have mutual interest on both sides of this obviously and so i came up with a little list about different tips about how to manage and work with a offshore development team well first you know let's actually define offshore because there's this
1: whole offshore versus outsource thing so offshore is typically defined as like i said non-domestic these aren't uh, developers or employees that live in the same countries you outsource is finding a contractor within your own market or somebody outside your, your own country,
0: right? So, somebody outside your company to do the work. And you could outsource the trash pickup. Sure. You can outsource anything. Right? And,
1: and, you know, I mean, outsourcing is still a very common uh, thing to do. But, you know, overall, there seems to be what what's commonly referred to as a talent shortage right now. It's not really just
0: affecting North America. I mean, it's all over the place. It's, and what I always say is you don't want to outsource your your talent or your intellectual property. Right. But that's not the same as offshoring it, where there's still work for you, they're your contractors or your employees, you still have that talent. Sure. But they work for you yeah. versus if you're outsourcing it, you're like handing over the keys to somebody else.
1: Right. And that, now with the whole topic of, of, of offshoring, you know, there's a lot of common misperceptions that seem to exist that I've spent a lot of time, you know, trying to strike down. And if you're a regular listener of the show, you've heard heard me talk about a lot of them. And, you know, some of that, I mean, it really just starts with how do you find and communicate and then become productive, as well as create something that's lasting, with this new team of people that are oftentimes t- thousands of miles away. How far well, away is our office in Cebu? It's like
0: eight it was or like three thousand miles. No, or it's no, more than that. 8, I mean, it's like eight thousand. was like miles. Yeah, because remember we were flying to Japan, or maybe that was kilometers. Hell, I don't know. But you didn't learn the metrics no. at But no. So to your point, I had somebody ask me today. He's, he was like, "How did you find your first developer in the Philippines? How did you guys get started with this?" Did you raise my hand? I said, that, I partnered with this great guy, Matt DeCourcy. He's no, been don't, doing no, it for don't church, years.
1: don't church it up, Watson. I man, said this old man. That. It was an old man. Oh, my God. We're Matt back DeCourcy. to the old man thing. Well, you know, let's get into some of this because I think, uh, you know, if you guys want to read this, the article that Matt Watson published today about this, um, you can find it at fullscale.io. Um, some of this stuff is, is stuff that, It's meant to really help you, and you know that I think a common misperception is that you can't be successful with people that work in an offshore environment. It's not that you have to pick winners, people. That's it. You have to find people that are good at what they do, and you have to be good at what you do. And there's a few things that you know are really going to help you do that. And I think the very first starts with sharing the vision of the product or the platform that you're trying to
0: build. It's all about under you know giving them the roadmap right and and not leaving them in the dark. That, I mean, we had that a uh, little bit of that with one of our first clients, right? Right? They were uh, we had a couple of developers working for us in the Philippines and um, working for one of our full scale clients. And the developers told us like, hey, we're 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 you know we love the project we're working on, but it seems like every day that at the last minute they kind of assign us work to do. Yep. And we don't really know where this is going, and we're kind of worried that. We're going to run out of work to do. Should we be looking for a job? You know, we, we're just we're in the dark. We're just kind of nervous. What's they, the they were chomping
1: at the bit. They yeah, wanted. They, to, they wanted. They to wanted to do more.
0: They wanted to tear into the project and, and provide value
1: and and exist for the purpose of helping the whole project and the business
0: be successful. I mean, that was really where it came. What it came down to. And yeah, so we so we went back to the client and said, hey, lay it all lay it all on them. They want to know everything. You know, don't leave them at arm's length. Yep. And yeah. that,
1: that turned into an immediate change that clearly defined that relationship. And you know, I'm looking forward to checking up on that because I have a feeling it's probably resulting in a pretty productive output. Yeah, absolutely. So
0: in, when what are some of the key components to sharing your product vision? Well, I think part of it's understanding why the company exists you know what what the company does what the goal of the product you know some of that kind of less technical stuff right just understanding the big picture of what we do and why we do it that was one of the things i tried to do with my team when when we were in Cebu together is i sat down for a couple hours with them and just told them like this is why we're in business this is what we do this is why we do it um and just the product and where the product is going is trying to go I'm already realizing that these tips are good for your domestic employees too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and some of these things it. are. <laughs> yeah, some of these some of these things are. The difference is some of these conversations naturally happen around the the water cooler, right? Sure. Where when you're you know, part of your team is remote, even if they're, you know, in California and your office is in Kansas City, whatever, they're just not you just don't meet at the water cooler. Right. Sure. So no matter where your employees are, be them remote or in the office, this stuff is important. Okay. So, you know, I
1: think an important thing to remember as well is if you're going to program a machine to perform a task Sure does
0: help if that's pretty clearly defined exactly what that is. Well, with software development, sometimes you need to understand where, where where you're going because the decisions you make about how you write the code or architect the code will change based on, you know, it's like, oh, we're building a plane. Or are we building a little plane or a big plane? Because some of the code might want to be a little different. Sure. Right? And the why. Yeah. Always talking about why. Yep. Well, what's the next tip? What do you got next? Well, again, it's all about over communication. Um, For example, I'll give you a great example. My, um, my wife sent me a message actually this weekend while she was out of town. She said, Matt, can you pay the lawn guy? I said, okay, sure. And I didn't pay him. You know why? I didn't know if I was supposed to write him a check and he was going to come by and pick up the check or if I was supposed to mail the check and I could just pay it online. So that lack of overcommunication just... just-, just- If she would have sent me just like one or two more words, I would have known what to do, right? But instead I stalled. I didn't know what to do. I think it's
1: easy to over communicate if you want to. I mean, look at all the ways you can communicate. You know, Slack. You have video, audio. I mean, you pick up the phone, email. I mean, there's just so many ways to communicate. And I think that you know, one of the ways you talk about over communication. I actually record videos a lot for my mm-hmm. team. And, yes, and you've seen these that I you know that I do. They're anywhere. They're as long as they need to be, but they're short and precise for the most part. I make notes. And then I just, you know, on my Mac, just using QuickTime, record a quick video that has the instructions if I feel that that's the best way to get it across. Now, why do I do that? Because when I send that, they, it can be watched again right. and again and again. And if that's what it takes to understand or to go back and make sure that everything. And then also, I think that sometimes just the best way to communicate is to see and hear yeah. What I'm saying, how I'm saying, that's the one thing with written text that
0: doesn't always – the context doesn't always – Well, and one of the items on my list here was specifically about using screenshots and marking yep. up screenshots and recording videos.
1: Oh, man. I'll tell you what. The uh, I look back at the first two or three years that I was you know, acting as the product owner and then the project manager at certain things. When I discovered the annotated screenshot oh, – yeah. Oh my God! But I looked, fix this thing. That was like that moment where you look back and you go, "Oh my God!" If I could only have these last two years back, because that one of the things that I found difficult early. You know, you know, I started. I hired my first employee in Cebu in 2009, and I found it to be really difficult at the time. The techn- technology and bandwidth wasn't what it is now, right? And that made it a little more difficult then. You know, trying to communicate through Skype, but you know, you weren't. I wasn't able to just point. That's something I right. found that to be really frustrating. So once I really got in tune with the the screenshot, uh, use that to your advantage. You know, like that's one of the things I really like about Mac is that it makes it really easy to do screenshots and even faster to annotate. You know, mm-hmm. you have little screen bubbles and squares and they don't have to be fancy. I mean, they can really, in many ways, just be crude and just point at something. Yeah. And, and you know,
0: like a red X or something that that just shows exactly what it is you're talking about. Well, and taking us to the next level, I had a, we had our morning standup. We have, you know, our, our team in Sabu uh, overlaps with us in the morning for like three or four hours. So we have mm-hmm. our morning standup. And then um, one of the guys had a, a question about something. He wasn't quite sure what to do. So afterwards I jumped on and did a, a zoom meeting and did a screen share. Mm-hmm. I did a screen share. He walked me through the code, uh, showed me what he was working on and, and the question he had and I helped him figure it out. And problem way it goes
1: right well you kind of hit on one of the next things uh, you know so whether you're work you know I think that the most common places for offshoring right now um, are the are the Philippines and India both of which represent a move forward yeah. in the clock compared to where we're at um, our office in Cebu is a 13 hour difference so we want to overlap a little bit and what's the main reason for that?
0: For those stand-up meetings, the communication again, all about communication, right? Like, how can we build a rapport and 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 you know chemistry with our team if we never have if we're never on the same work schedule? So, all of my team, most of them, anyways, uh, shift their schedule to uh, our time. You're right? talking about your team in Cebu. Our time and yep. our team in Cebu, yeah. They work uh, about three p.m. three p.m. to midnight in Cebu, which is uh, overlaps until about eleven a.m. in the morning here. Kansas City time, um, and then we have some other people that work even later hours that, that overlap the whole time. And then I've got people that don't overlap with us because I actually want them to handle like our on-call and stuff like that. And that's actually a
1: specific advantage that certain offshore arrangements can, you know, create for your company. Is so here at five p.m. Central time, you'll actually have someone that's coming online.
0: Yeah, over there, and and the purpose for that is site reliability, right? Yeah, we do. We're, we're working on on getting the team in Cebu to handle all of our production server monitoring and all that sort of stuff. A lot of people also like to do this where they do QA at night. Yeah. Like the developers do a bunch of work, and then QA can QA it at night, and then they come the next morning and they know if everything passed or didn't pass.
1: I've always enjoyed the, uh, you know, it, it might not be a true... 24 hour development cycle, but I like having different teams working on things. You get up in the morning, you have like little Christmas presents. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or sometimes it's a good opportunity to get something back on track because you know, that does happen. That can happen locally or it can happen halfway around the world. Sometimes, you know, there, that little bit of feedback that you can spend five minutes giving can put something back to where it needs to be or possibly fix a problem that was uncovered overnight.
0: Um, And and I think no matter what, if you're working with an offshore team, one of the managers be it the development manager, whoever it is, is probably going to want to ping those people, you know, early in the morning, late in the evening. If, if they're working, you know, different schedules is check in with them. You know, if it's 10 o'clock Kansas city time, pinging them and say, Hey guys, how's it going? You know, is there anything I can help with before I go to bed?
1: So even though we've suggested to over communicate at the same time, it's important to keep that communication simplistic along the ways. It is. And, you know, that the reason for that is, all right, if you don't speak English as your first language, you may still fluently communicate. But at the same time, I'm not going to use words like intrinsic or stuff like that. And it's just certain certain types of communication are a little harder to understand. We keep the vocabulary simple. Right. And then also things like, you know, like little metaphors or, or you know, phrases or cultural references. They're, they're, they're not going to get Donald Trump jokes, are they? Well, maybe. 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 I think those are worldwide,
0: but <laughs> I mean, they might be. They might
1: be. But there are certain things, um, you know, and I found just like by simplifying things, uh, you know, one of the examples is when we were first building Gagabug. And Cebu, they have VAT, value added tax, right. which is a like consumption tax. Right. Like, they don't have income tax, so they charge you twelve percent on everything that's bought, and that kind of helps collect tax from those that don't report their income. Right. Well, when we built a tax function into the um, into the service option, they wanted to build that in, and there wasn't an understanding that. Um, we typically don't tax services right yep. here in the United States, so you just look at like little simplifications of things and like simplification and clarification. Now, this next one on the list is one I hold near and dear <laughs> to my heart. Um, you know, keep a prioritized work queue. I, I like I, you heard me refer to the B task, and that's that task that like if you, for some reason you get stuck. Yeah, For some reason, it isn't your your prioritized task is not going the way that it needs to go. Here's a fallback. And, you know, that's it took me a little bit to kind of get into that, because that's one thing, you know, when you have opposing work schedules that can be challenging is that that person gets stuck or has a question and it's three a.m right in your local time and you're not you're not getting that question until it's too late so by you know defining first off it is important to define which tasks are the most important right yep and then if that doesn't work you can fall back i mean that that term b task was really kind of taken more so from that old franklin cubby mm-hmm. uh you know like prioritizing your tasks yep. like here's my a things and you never work on a b task unless all of the a tasks are done yep but i think having you know a fallback um you know is 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 really important and it just kind of keeps things moving like think about how many things probably need to be done at your business
0: would you rather settle for a check mark or none yeah, and it's like a stack fight we always have 100 items in our backlog. There's always lots of things to do. And, and the good thing is we have a whole team over there, too. So if somebody gets stuck, they can probably help the other people on the team, or, or we have some senior people over there that can help well, figure it out. Well, right? actually, you know, that's... that's They're good. not all dependent on, you know, the people here in Kansas City. Well, I think that's actually... You made a really
1: good point, and that's actually something that I don't think is on our list, is the value of having people that exist in the same room. Yeah, you know, like, and that's one of the things. It's that, not just not just
0: having one remote person. Something.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people want to offshore, and they, you know, they want to they want to find someone that, uh, you know, they find all these individuals. Right. They've got like four different people that are sometimes in four different cities yep. and doing, you know, like in four different time zones. And there's a lot of variables. I think um, I think here in North America we take a lot of things for granted, especially when it comes to infrastructure, like. If the power goes out here at the office, we're all going to bitch and complain like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to us because typically the power didn't go off here unless there's a huge storm. Well, in a lot of these countries, it's not the case. They have rolling blackouts. Their infrastructure isn't really as strong. Now, it is when it comes to the professional offices and workspaces. Like these are like, for example, in, in Cebu, our office is right on the edge of an IT park and there's... Fiber internet that comes in, and the building has backup generator. Well, and we're downtown.
0: Yeah, that's different than somebody who lives in a village on the other side of mountains.
1: Well, and that's another thing too. It's like, for example, like it's kind of rainforesty there. Right. And it's like the idea that everything's wired in right. the same way that it would be here isn't really the case. So you know, then now one of the things that that can affect is you know you were talking about this earlier is video conferencing technology. Yep. And you know that was a lot harder. A decade ago, just because of general bandwidth, but now it's not. I mean, what, what I pay, I think it's like 16 bucks a month. I
0: pay for zoom. Right. And I run it right through Slack. Yeah, and our office in the Cebu has fiber. It's like a 50 meg connection yeah. or something like that. Did you ever have any issues? Cause I see no. that, that you,
1: I, this morning I walked by an office here at Sacrify and there was, I look like five or six people. Mm-hmm. At our office, they're talking stand to two or three different yep. people here. So, I mean, yeah, our
0: daily stand up, we're doing and, video conference. And they
1: were all rolling through the same connection there. So it wasn't yeah. just supporting one video connection, but several. Yep. And, um, I think the important part of that is, it, there, I think there's a lot of reasons that the video conferencing component is really important. Is like, I mean, these are your, these are, this is your team. This is your crew. Like, it's good to let them see and hear you. Mm hmm. And also know that, and they should know that you're there to see and hear them. Right. And I think that that goes over a lot better than just constantly receiving instructions. Right. Um, You know, do you have any issues with the video conferencing or any like tips? You guys
0: usually, how long is your meeting each day? We try and keep our standups to 15 minutes. Okay, Um, We're actually trying out a little bot in Slack that um, might simplify and automate some of our stand-ups. So we might, Actually, lean on that a little more. What does it do? Uh, it basically asked everybody um, what they did that day, and it actually integrates with Jira, so it's pretty cool. It'll give them their like Jira ticket numbers, even, huh. and say, "Hey, did you work on this? What progress did you make? Did you get it done? Did you not get it done?" We have a,
1: we have a similar one at Gigabook that we've used that actually is more like a daily report. Yeah, and this kicks we out of daily a daily report. It kind of
0: asks, "Is it called
1: Sutna? Are we using no, the same one?" No, this is called Standbot. Uh, I might have to check that out, but yeah, that's, and you know, you go back to looking at the use of of communication technology and that's sure. I I'm a big fan of like the daily report, um, and having that distributed to everyone because you get it, it makes it really easy, especially if it's all in one collective report. Yes, you can very easily skim down, see what your entire team did. And another thing, too, is it just kind of keeps some people honest. Like, well, meaning like you, if you feel like you have to sign your
0: name to your tasks, right. you really want to make sure that you did something. No one wants to put, I didn't do anything to well, it. Well, and it asks them if they have any blockers that are holding them up. And then that's one of the key things that's highlighted in the final report of like who had a blocker and what the blockers are. Got
1: so many of those, I don't even know where to start. You're my blocker in in more ways than you want to know. <laughs> uh, so, how do you feel about you know give, giving people you know real work or a challenging task?
0: Well, so I think that's one thing we we see all the time, and I think so many people when they do offshore, they're they're, they're doing cheap shoring. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to hire these developers in India for twelve dollars an hour or whatever, and they give them just crap work to do, right? And Just like the developers here in the United States, they don't want to do crap work either, right? Like data entry or like really rudimentary, stupid programming tasks. Um, You know, we hire really highly talented people in the Philippines, just like we do here, and they want to do interesting, cool, challenging work. Right. They don't want to do shit work, even though you might only have to pay them $25, $30 an hour or whatever. Or even ones that work for less. It or even less. Capable. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean they're not capable of doing real work. They just live in a different economy. They don't live in Silicon Valley and pay $4,000 a month for rent. I think that's been one of the
1: things that, and you've heard me talk about this just over and over and over again, is is you know they, it really is just that. It's economic differences. Yeah, and they pay 100 a month for rent Instead yeah four thousand dollars well i mean you can buy a house in cebu for like 30 40 grand pretty yeah. nice one or or less yeah and you know that's that's a big difference but i mean having gone over there like how, how much were our cab rides all the way to downtown like a dollar
0: a dollar twenty we, whenever we whenever we went right around downtown it was never more than two dollars and we went to the airport which was like over a 30 minute cab ride i think it was three dollars it was yeah yeah and yeah it's just a different economy. It
1: really is. And you know, that, that contributes to, you know, everything. But I mean, I know that the folks that uh, that we hire at the full scale office, like sometimes they just dazzle me. Like I'm just, if these were people that were here, they would be the top people on your team. They would be. And and, And, you know that, but you have to, you have to let go of that mentality that for some reason, I think this is like, and don't think I'm not patriotic here the week after
0: 4th of July, but I think it's just a little bit of our own arrogance. Well, and it's because you pay them less. You just assume that they're going to, you're going to get less out of them. But that's yeah. not necessarily the case at all. Yeah. And, push, and you got to push them and, and you can get a lot more value out of them than you think.
1: I mean, the same way, just treat it like it's a, an employee that's working from home that day. Um, when you say give them real work, like, I mean, well, my whole team's over there. So I got to give them, whole, I give them <laughs> real work. I don't <laughs> know how much choice that, but, you know, I, one of the things you can probably do to really kind of, stick a knife in your productivity is being a micromanager. Yeah. Like asking every 20 minutes, are you done? Are you yeah. done? Like, are you done? And you know, that's, you know, let people do the job that you hired them to do. Um, if you hire good people, they're going to probably do good work. You need, you know, nothing is, nothing is cutting into your own productivity more than distracting and
0: overwhelming someone with too many questions. Well, and I well, we, like we mentioned earlier, I think it's important to hire you know senior developers too that yeah. can help be a leader. You know, if you're going to hire five people in an offshore team, one of them should be a more senior person, like an IT manager, you know, lead well, that's developer, actually where senior we, developer. We require that. Yeah, you don't want five entry level developers over there working that somebody has to manage that. You know, need a whole lot of. of of help and assistance so well it's the same way that
1: you would want to build a team here
0: yeah you know like
1: find the right foundation and then you can start stacking things on top of it it's if you don't do that you shouldn't be surprised when it falls over or when it just feels loose or not really you know and another thing too is like from the from the the long-term perspective and keep in mind like and you know I know we've been talking about what we do in cebu and what we do at full scale a lot because I think it's this is a really relevant I think that what we're doing there is is you know there's a lot of there are companies that do things similar to us but we take a mentality of we're helping you build a team this isn't we're not a project shop and we want to help you build a team that lasts and the best way to build some of your own talent is to grow it Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and the way you treat them is important to retain them. Yeah, oh man, I want to. I'll tell you what. Every week that goes by, I want to go just work at our Cebu office more and more. I, we have got a massage
0: therapist, and they have windows. Yeah, that part. Yeah, oh man, and there's man. a view of the mountains and the ocean.
1: I know that, I, it's like the best of both worlds. But it is kind of hot and humid, though. Yeah, I do start sweating when I get there, and then stop. I I, I feel like I lose a lot of weight. <laughs> i there, I think I just sweat it <laughs> off. So either that or it's because I'm afraid to eat some of the things that I saw you eat. <laughs> um, you know, this next one we have on the list here is something we are, did already talk about. And it's kind of, you know, improving your communication with pictures and video. I think we had on a lot of that. Um but I
0: think it's worth saying it over and over and over again. You
1: know, there, like, so
0: there's a lot of ways to record videos on your computer. Yep. I don't know about it on the Mac, but on the, on Windows you now, you can do it with uh, Windows Command G. actually opens up the Game Center, and you can record, uh, record audio and your uh, desktop. Yep. Um, but I also like a little app called uh, Vidyard, which is a free Google Chrome extension that I, I mentioned in the article. Uh, it makes it really easy to record from Google Chrome. Yeah, and Mac, you can just open QuickTime and
1: do a screen recording the same yeah, way. And, yeah. You know, if you're working on mobile stuff, you can do that on your iPhone as well. Actually, just plug your iPhone in to your Mac, and then you can use the same That's you know cool. the same output. So it's yeah, it's pretty helpful. Um, and the final note that we've got here um, is talking about you know, <laughs> remember you're building a team. It doesn't matter where it is. If you want your company to be big, you're probably going to have to be global. Um, you're going to have people working all over the place. Like one of the reasons that you found uh, our office in Cebu to be pretty helpful was that you have users in 60 different countries. We do, and that means that there's people on the other side of the world that need during their day. Yep. They don't want to find out that you don't
0: have support. Like right. That's a, that's not a balanced. Company and that's not a balanced service offer. I mean, it's a it's a global economy. Uh, for Stackify, we like you said, we have customers all over the world, and we have some employees all over the world. So right, yeah,
1: and and you know, remember, you want to try to avoid an us and them, yeah, mentality. Like it's the same team. Don't don't build dividing dividers and walls right. down the middle of your own company. You know, I've actually worked for businesses that did that. First off, once they're there, they're really hard to tear down and it's really frustrating. Like literally you know, one company and I won't name, it, it was like, you know, they had two different divisions and if you wanted something from the other one, it was almost like you had to like, I mean, they were there in the same building, but it was almost like two companies operating inside the same building. It was just really frustrating because one side was so uninformed about what the other was doing, but they were so tied together. Like it all required the same stuff to be successful. Um, you know, and, the, and I think that that kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier, you know, define what you want to do. Don't leave them in the dark, you know, and, and I, it just, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of shaking my head because I don't understand why so many of these issues and problems exist. I, I think that, you know, over this next 10 years or so, I think we're going to see a pretty huge change in the mentality of, of the way the offshore worker is embraced and, and treated.
0: Well, I, I have, I think I know why there's a lot of this problem because people are doing offshore work in, let's say India and the team in India doesn't speak English very well. They're hard to communicate with it's hard. It's a little harder to build a, a team yeah. with them. If you have huge cultural differences, English, you know, language barriers. Right. And that's one of the things we like about the Philippines. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a lot like Americans. They're not really that much different. Yeah. I didn't have a
1: problem talking. I don't have a problem talking to anybody no. on our team. I mean, no, that's one of the things that's like question number two yeah. in the interview is like, you know, how comfortable are would you? Would I go have beers with this guy or girl? Right. Right. And well, the answer almost always That's yes. question number three. It's, <laughs> it actually is. It's not phrased quite like that, but is, is this someone that I would like to work with every day? Yeah. And that translates well to the, you know, the teams and the, and the clients that they end up working with, you know, I think really in the end, all these tips are great, but the most important thing is to hire the right team. Yep. And, you know, not trying to make this episode an entire infomercial about this, but I mean, that's kind of what we're doing,
0: isn't it? Well, sometimes, like we said, if you if you struggle with your team in India because of communication problems and they won't work your hours and you're not getting what you want out of them, you got the wrong team. Yep. I mean there's a better way. there are other, there are other options, right. But
1: we actually take a little different approach to that in the regards that you know, we want to find the right match. Um, it's probably fair to say you know we've turned down more clients than we've accepted. We have turned down a few. And that, and that has a lot to do with it not being the right fit. And sometimes that's due to the stage that the company might be in. But sometimes it's about timing or mentality, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and, you know, we don't, we don't just assign people to a team. Like we, we talk to our team and we say, you know, is this a project that you think you might be interested in? And because if if they're not interested in it and they don't like it, the the clock's ticking.
0: A big part of our job and the service we provide is the retainment of the, the talent in Cebu, right? So we want the developers to be happy with the project they're working on, the company they're working for. It's interesting work. It, it's sure to, it sure does seem like it's a problem right now. The whole
1: retention of anybody. Yeah. There's high turnover. and I mean, we don't want, we don't want turnover. I haven't had a problem with that at all. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that it's a different outlook. Um, everyone here, you know, I, the jobs report for, I don't know what may came out and a record number, 3.4 million Americans switch jobs in one month. In one month. That's crazy. Or they, they were either, they either switched or in the process of doing it. And it was, there, there was some paper chasing involved. I mean, and I can't fault people for wanting to do better for themselves. I mean, it does what
0: it is. Didn't you say the year over year turnover in it was like 13% or something it was like higher, that? higher it, than
1: that. Yeah. Like if the, uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, and I don't want to get too far into you know guessing. But I mean, overall, it's getting worse. Right. Like there's in right in Kansas City right now, there's a negative negative five percent unemployment rate, and you know we've had a lot of interesting and spirited debates with some. I'm not trying to solve the problem of why we have a talent shortage. I'm working on trying to figure out how to make my business grow. Right and help other people's do the same. So a friend of mine told
0: me today, he's like, we have open positions and we are struggling to fill any of them. Right. for the last several months. Yeah, and it's str- and it makes it and I've, their business can't grow because they don't have the people they need.
1: Right, and that's frustrating. Another thing too is like, uh, you know, when
0: people are, are leaving every year, like here, are just in this constant state mm-hmm. of replacement. Well, best case scenario is I hire a developer and steal them away from somebody else.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm. Fine. I'm hearing some really interesting recruiting stories. Like the recruiters that are placing people in your business wait till the pretty much the day that um, that person is now out of the two, like whatever that two year boundary yeah. is, and they're calling. Mother, it looks like it's time to do this again. Let's make twenty thousand dollars again and place you somewhere else. It's unbelievable to think that I could. I don't know if I could pay thirty grand to place an employee. I've never done that.
0: It's expensive. Um,
1: yeah, I mean that's. I mean, crazy. if you're if
0: you're looking for a executive position that's really critical to your business, I mean, like a CEO I or see something. It, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I just like for
1: for developers, you know, one of the things is I don't even think we can get accurate numbers on what the average developer costs right now because it's changing. Like it's just in this, and it's not a sustainable thing. Um, it's got to cap out at some point, but you know, really in the end, you. It, regardless of of what your position is on you know if there aren't people to fill the jobs what are you going to do i mean what do you do so there is probably a better way to go about that and you know like i said i I hope that some of the advice that we gave here um, helps some of you with you know getting more productivity out of folks that you know, aren't necessarily working right there in your home office. Um, If you're interested in learning a little bit more about what we do, you can go to fullscale.io. We help rapidly growing businesses, build teams, build them fast, try to do what we can to help this team, uh, you know, work with you for years to come.
0: Yeah, and just be successful.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, based on everybody that I'm talking to around here, it seems like the struggle is real. It is. All right, well, I'm going to get back to work. All right. See you next time, See you
0: guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit StartupHustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.